Um, our text this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 8 through 16. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap, the strap whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is the Lord. So, so last week, Weston uh, walked us through a very similar passage that was found in the book of Matthew. Um, Weston's main focus during that time was on repentance and what repentance is. Um, this week, we're going to focus on the idea presented here in our text, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. So we're going to explore this idea of what this means for us today. John Calvin comments on today's passage by saying, Repentance is an inward matter which has its seat in the heart and soul, but afterwards yields its fruits in a change of life. So with this understanding, we see there is a shift within, within our being, and turning or repentance is evidenced by what others can see in your life. So repentance is turning from sin, turning from your disobedience towards God, and then evidenced by the outward expression of your faith, your lifestyle, your good works. Now, we must be very careful to not follow the mindset that good works are required to keep or even earn your salvation. Scripture is very clear that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But in Christ, we become a new creation that leads to repentance and outward changes are seen. These outward changes are what we're going to focus on today. So let's recap the purpose of John the Baptist, um, just so that we can remember the context of our text. John was destined for the specific purpose to prepare the way of the Lord, prepare for Jesus' coming. Scripture tells us that he went around proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Listen to what Luke chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says about him. 
And also, hang on to some of the, the words he uses, like specifically the word turn. It says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So if we remember John, he, he was one who lived in the wilderness. He wore sackcloth, a leather belt. He ate locusts, wild honey. He lived a life of little with his main focus to fulfill the ministry that he was made for and destined for. So in the passage of Scripture just before our main text today, John is going around the region of the Jordan. He's proclaiming a baptism of repentance that leads to the forgiveness of sins. In many ways, the actual baptism that is being demonstrated here is um, your seriousness or your turning of repentance. So how serious are you? Come, be baptized. We also know that baptism is this symbolic representation of you being buried with Christ and raised in newness of life. So John is addressing a people in our text who are religious, who are physical descendants of Abraham. The struggle for these people was they believed that simply because they were Jewish that their salvation was secure. They mistakenly believed that God's promise to be faithful to the seed of Abraham guaranteed their salvation no matter what. So let's Let's continue, and we're going to walk through our text verse by verse, and I'm just going to explain after each verse kind of what we're looking at and what we're talking about. So verse 8 says, I'm going to put it up on the screen for you guys. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not be sent to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, the able from the homes to raise children for Abraham. So bearing fruit and keeping with repentance is speaking of a lifestyle and behaviors that are a result of the decisions that you've made to repent. That is, true repentance produces godly attitudes and actions. True repentance produces godly attitudes and actions. Fruit is what others can see when they look into your life. How do we know that an apple tree is an apple tree? How do you know that that truly is a tree that bears fruit? You can see it. You can see it. You can pick of the fruit. So can we visually see the apples that are growing in our own life? Ask yourself, when others investigate your life, what is it that they see? What fruit is flowing from you? Here in a moment, we're going to see examples of what this fruit could look like. One of the big issues John dealt with was the Jewish community believing that simply because they were Jews, Jewish and physical descendants of Abraham, they were secure in their salvation. But John says otherwise here. He says God can turn stones into children for Abraham. Scripture teaches us that it is not our physical descent 
that allows us to enter into right relationship with God. But it is through our faith. Paul says in Galatians 3, 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And in verse 29 he says, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is an amazing statement because what it does is it reveals that salvation is not just for a select group of people, but it's for all of us, both Jew and Gentile. That's us, the Gentiles. Salvation has been opened up for everyone, not just one select group. And then in verse 9, it says, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So this phrase at the beginning, even now, shows that the kingdom of God is not some future far-off event, but it is near, it is upon them. Jesus is coming, the Messiah is nearby. And this verse is also warning of the coming judgment. It's very close at hand. Moving into verse 10, we begin to see some of these examples. When the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with them who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. So now we're, we're getting into some of the practical application of these verses and what John is, is teaching here. So everyone just listen carefully as we walk through uh, this next segment of today. As John is giving us guidance on the lifestyle that represents fruit of repentance. So the, the people here, they want to know what to do. They're asking, I, I hear you, John, but what do I do? What, what's my next step? So, so often we do the same thing, right? Like, okay, I just read this text, but what do I do? It's the question we ask. And so John has given a response. So his response was related to what we have. If you remember, as we walk through all of those responses, it's what, what, we, it's what we have is how he addressed them. What God has given us. He is telling the people to give your things away. Give your food away to those who have need. Now look into your own life. Do you give your things away? Do you give your money away? Are you consumed in, in your own world that the, the needs around aren't even visible, that they, that they can't be seen? The, the root of this verse from John, from John it's, a, it's a condition of heart. Scripture teaches us in Luke 12:34, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Money and possessions can corrupt us. It's time for us to repent and share what we have freely and with a cheerful heart, knowing that we are storing up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And then in chapter in verses 12 and 13, it says, Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. 
here's another group of people asking, what do we do? John, what, what, what is it that we need to do? What is the fruit that we should bear? And again, notice John's response here. Again, it's around money and possessions. Do not collect more money than you need. In other words, be content with what you have. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is 1 Timothy 6, 5 through 10, that really addresses this idea of contentment. I want to read this text to you. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Notice the, the last part of this verse, some of the, the, the verbiage used, those who desire to be rich. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in and of itself is not a bad thing. God can use that to bring himself glory, to build his kingdom, to build up his church, to build up those around us. But when we move into this state where we are desiring that over and above the kingdom of God, where we love money so much that it begins to actually birth evil within our hearts, and the last part of that verse saying that because of this craving, some have wandered away from the faith. How, how tragic is that? Like, think about our life here on earth and just the small speck of time that we have compared to all eternity. Guard our hearts. We're here to guard our hearts. And then 14 says, soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. So again, it's another example. It's another example of what fruit to bear centered around money and what we have. Yet another call to be content. Here we see John instructing the soldiers not to exploit others for gain. Exploit in this context is to derive full use of or to make benefit from. So we're not to use others at their expense to find gains for our advantage. So we see in these few verses that examples of bearing fruit and keeping with repentance revolves around money and possessions. Over and over we see this. It's ultimately a condition of the heart. So are you giving freely of these things? Are we giving sacrificially? Understand that this audience that John had in front of him, this was the specific lifestyle that they were engaged in. And he was called to repent of these things. Also know that this is not an all-inclusive list of things to repent from. Like, we all have sins in our life that we are to repent from. And so what is the lifestyle that God is calling you to here in this passage 
John is pointing out specifically the money and possessions and things that we have to be content with what we have. But there are other things that we need to repent from and to enter into a godly lifestyle to turn from. Listen to what 1 John 2, 1 through 6 says. It says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is the satisfaction, if you will. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You hear that? Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. How many of us here today are walking in the same way that Jesus did? I'm, I'm not. I try. But it's the power of God working in us that allows us to embark on that journey. So we are to keep the commandments of God in order to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Every week, we come together and we read the summary of the law, the, the, the greatest commandment and the second greatest. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So how are you living this out today? When people look and investigate your life, what, what actions are they going to see? What lifestyle? What attitudes? What behaviors? Examine your heart this morning and allow God to work in that. I don't want to in any way produce any type of guilt within us. As, as we become a new creation in Christ, as sanctification works its process, joy and gladness in honoring these commandments is what I, I want to overflow from our hearts. And then looking at verse 15 and 16, it says, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the Jewish community have always been expecting a Messiah, as the Old Testament had predicted the coming of one who would save the people. So those around John began wondering, is, is he the Messiah? Is this the one to come? John had a powerful ministry, so people will begin to wondering that. But John quickly cleared up this misunderstanding with these words. 
I baptize you with water, but he who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire. So, so John's ministry was preparing for the things to come and ushering in the ministry of Jesus. His, his ministry baptism proved the hearts of the people. Later, as Jesus' ministry was fulfilled, we learn that baptism is this symbolic representation of being buried with Christ and raised in newness of life. Romans 6, 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So what is this idea of walking in newness of life? In many ways, John's given us some examples of that. We've turned, so repentance again is, is literally to turn from something. You turn your back on it. You go to something else. In this case, we, we go to things that are godly. So ultimately, what we see is John is paving the way for Jesus. He is ushering in the Messiah, the Christ to come, the very one who is our mediator in heaven. God is the one who awakens our hearts, raises us up from being spiritually dead, allowing us to have faith. And it is through this faith that we repent and bear good fruit in keeping with that repentance. Then joyful obedience is awakened within us for all the world to see, to look in and to investigate so that God can then be glorified. When we walk in newness of life, people see a difference. People see a lifestyle that begs the question, why? Why is that guy like that? Why is that girl like that? Why is that family like that? I want to know. I want to know why they're going around blessing all these people. Why? So to wrap up our time, I want to leave us with one modern day example. Many of you are familiar with uh, the nonprofit that West and I started called Continuum Network. We work with other Christian ministries <clears throat> and individuals here in our community. One ministry that we've been working with is is one, and he, he probably wouldn't want me to name it today because he's a very humble individual, but I'm going to name it anyway. Um, it's a ministry called Give Him Jesus. A guy named Luke Hawkins founded this ministry. Um, and essentially, <clears throat> what he says is that the solution to people's depravity is to give them Jesus. And so that's what he does. And so um, he does this through just the radical giving of financial resources. Uh, this past week, Luke, um, he had his year-end board meeting here at our downtown space. So we opened this space up to any Christian nonprofit that wants to use it um, to help further what it is that they're doing. And so I got to sit in on that meeting and just listen to what God has done over the last year. And, and so I'm hearing things like, 
Well, we, we sat down at a restaurant and I just ordered some sweet tea. It was $1.50, but I went ahead and left the $800 tip. Okay, wow. Oh, and, and then we, we bought a truck at the beginning of the year. It was 30000 for the ministry, and then ran into this family who had this huge need, and, and I just gave it to them. Wow, that is awesome. And, but, but the cool thing, though, about this is that this guy who founded the ministry, this is just a formal overflow of what he's already doing in his own life because he, he lived on nothing for years. Literally nothing, living in his car in many times. And so, and so I'm, I'm challenged by this. I'm challenged by just, just hearing the things that he's doing in my life. Like, how, like how, am I, how, how am I doing officially? So let's all be changed by that today. Another, another good just resource that, and we have it back here on our resource table. Um, if you haven't picked up a copy, it's Surprise the World by Michael Frost. Really, really recommend that you guys pick up a copy. And in and, and here, and it's a short read. You, you could sit down and read it in one or, one or two sittings. Um, he comes up with this acronym called BLESS, uh, B-E-L-L-S. And the B stands for, um, I'm sorry, BELLS. He comes up with the acronym BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. Um, BLESS stands for, uh, this, this is the challenge, I will bless three people this week, at least one of whom is not a member of our church, and eat. I will eat with three people this week, at least one of whom is not a member of our church. And then the L, listen. I will spend at least one period of the week listening for the Spirit's voice. And then the second L, learn. I will spend at least one period of the week learning Christ. And then the S is for sent. I will journal throughout the week about all the ways I alerted others to the universal reign of God through Christ. So pick, pick up a copy of this. I, I, I've been challenged by it. I even changed like our Wi-Fi network to bells just so when I see it, I'm reminded of it. Um, I, I need constant reminders. Um, so let's, um, let's enter into prayer. Um, and then we will stand and worship together. Father, I pray that you will be with us today as we have uh, just listened to your word this morning and the inspiration from it. God, that you will open up our hearts. Show us, show us in our own life the areas that we need to repent. We see these, these examples in Luke today about different areas of, of, our, of our life and, and of these particular people's lives where they needed to repent. And, and maybe some of us here, money and possessions and, and contentment is an area. But any other area of our life, God, I pray that you will reveal that to us so that we can move forward in honoring you. Lord, we love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.